BTC charts are looking pretty bullish at this point. Pretty much everything is looking kind of decent. Um, everything's kind of like working its way back up to kind of a push to another new level, which is nice. <clears throat> um, clearly, like leading the pack at the moment, as far as just uh, relative performance, is probably like. Let's see Solana and Link, and um, I've got a bit of Link. Uh, picked it up at like one hundred three. Uh, it's worth one hundred one at the moment, so a little bit down on that one, but no big deal. I kind of rode it. It's like one hundred three was a pullback from Solana's um, fib level of one twenty three, so it was still a fine buy. Uh, went down below that came back up and it should run i put a limit sell order for solana at like i figured there'd be a psychological level near 300 dollars, and put a sell order for like 290 uh limit and um that should be a pretty good like um like 3x kind of number on solana uh didn't buy too much of it just something to like play around with for the most part um i think the much like more obvious conviction bag at this point is um as far as like the large cap things i think way like the the strongest convention conviction bag in the top 50 or whatever i think is uh uh chain link in terms of lowest downside risk at this price and probably highest upside risk at this level i mean upside at this bent level as well so Chainlink's sitting about 1580. I added quite a bit to it today again. Um <laughs> interestingly, uh both the videos from uh Larry Fink and um uh, Jamie Diamond on who was on CNBC, both of those uh folks sort of hinted at tokenization of real world assets and tokenization in the banking industry and really there's only one player in the industry that's uh, capable of doing this so they kind of hinted at Chainlink without trying to pump Chainlink which is super interesting um i don't know if they're like necessarily invested in the coin or whatever else but those are industries that would stand to benefit from using Chainlink which is pretty cool so i think uh <clears throat> both those videos kind of making the rounds on twitter today people are kind of like posting how it kind of hints at uh you know, a big adoption of Chainlink, pretty interesting stuff. Also, uh, Circle, um, you know, the makers of USDC, they uh, Chainlink has incorporated Circle's specific protocol 
into the their ecosystem, which is pretty amazing. The way that works is um, so Circles Protocol more or less works like this. Let's say you bought um, Circle native, um, let's say on Ethereum on Coinbase, and you wanted to send that to a different chain. So let's say you went from Ethereum and you wanted to go to, let's say, Cosmos. Well, if you incorporate Circle's transfer protocol, what will happen is uh, you'll burn the USDC on one chain and create it on the next. So there's no net increase in the amount of like Circle that's, you know, USDC that's out there, but this kind of like creates a safe bridging solution that doesn't wind up with like trapped assets and things in different places. So interesting stuff. Anyway, uh, Chainlink incorporated that into uh, the CCIP system. So what that means fundamentally is uh, any chain that connects to CCIP or incorporates CCIP in the in the back end can now access USDC as an automatic feature of that, which is this is kind of the interesting thing. Everybody has been trying to become like the winner of the cross-chain protocol concept, um, notably uh, Cosmos IBC and then Chainlink CCIP are probably the biggest ones in this category. Um, but like if as far as like market reach and just kind of like probability of adoption, um, I guess both of them can make some progress. Like Cosmos IBC has been implemented on chains like Avalanche that's been implemented on things like Polkadot. Um, but if you look at sort of like what Chainlink does, it basically connects everything to everything. You connect any chain to any chain that incorporates CCIP protocol at a core level, not at a DAP level, but a chain core level. And um, TradFi institutions and whoever else can incorporate CCIP as well. That would be things like Swift or whatever. What's interesting about CCIP is it's a messaging protocol that does not require you to be on a blockchain to use it. Um, so that's a really interesting thing for businesses and whatnot. And pretty much like as, let's say, another 10 or 20 chains incorporate CCIP, what's interesting about that is that um, you can then use Chainlink as a fairly universal gas token for transfers between things. That's pretty interesting. Um, so this game of who you know being layer zero or the cross chain bridging layer is something that um like has been like a competition for a bit now but judging by just the vibe check like these sheer amount of tweets and stuff and i've just been retweeting everything chain link today just going like a tweet storm um like we're at the fourth time of attempting to break the 1580 level and make it to like the next fib level of 21 and then subsequently 31. Uh, if you look at the history of like uh, coins in the last um, few months, most um, like many of the chains that uh, had a good run, like Fetch and um, like uh, Akash and Injective and whatever, um, many of them pretty much like went straight to their. Um, you know, fib level right bef below the the prior all time high. All time high for Chainlink's fifty three, and most of these chains went to like thirty. You know, where Chainlink would be at thirty two. So just to catch up with the rest of the altcoin space, uh, Chainlink would be, need to be somewhere near thirty two to fifty three dollars, uh, just to catch up with the total three. And if you just compare like 
what Chainlink is compared to, I don't know, say an injector or something. It's not even close. Like, it's just like, um, it's like embarrassing how uh, undervalued Chainlink is compared to like the rest of the market um, as far as total three, the altcoin space is concerned. And also just like undervalued compared to um, like pretty much anything in the top 50, I would say it's not priced correctly um, in my view. And, you know, uh, technically it's diluted market cap is closer to 20 billion. It's actual market cap is like nine at the moment. Um, but like Solana is at 43 billion as a good example. And there's no really great reason why uh, Chainlink can't do a 4X from here, especially since it had that same level back in the previous bull market. So um, Solana has succeeded in like getting ahead of something like Chainlink, but I think that won't last for very long. Um, so Chainlink is now attempting its fourth attempt at a breakout at the 1580 level. Looks really, really bullish. I added a metric fuck ton of Chainlink today um, for this like theoretical breakout period. And if it dips again for some reason down to 12 bucks or whatever, I'll just go like sell a whole bunch of stock and you know, buy in a bunch more. It's such a relatively straightforward, um, relatively low risk position after having this such a long, like 180 day or more consolidation period in like five to $8, five to $9 range. So really like at the, at the worst, you know, the thing drops to like maybe 12 again or something is my thinking. And if it does, whatever, I'll just sell a fuck ton of stocks and go all in, like literally all in, like just go hardcore. And the reason is because like, the probability of a 2x here is just too good to pass up in my view um beyond a 2x i think is going to happen almost surely with a proper bull run um but stocks are looking a little bit weak right now like Chainlink has definitely beaten the stock market because everything i have is down from a stock perspective so definitely making make, making good moves on Chainlink here i think it's a good spot good entry i'm wondering if we go like um, close to $21 in Chainlink, that seems to be a target right now, right? Yep, 21 is one fib. I don't yeah. think it lasts long there. You know, that's yeah, 21 is just, not really like the high resistance fib. Yeah, we'll just it's have to 31, see. $31.60 is kind of like the my next target for me. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, when we hit that target, what's going to happen? If it's going right through, yeah, then sure, it's going to be $30. But if it rejects there or whatever, there's something there, maybe the whole market rolls over. Who knows? You know, yeah, it depends on if the whole market rolls over or not, yeah. I think. Yeah. But, but $21, we, we surely will hit, you know, it's almost that sure. Even if, the, even if there is a pullback, though, like the link BTC chart looks excellent. So yeah. at this point, in fact, let me draw fibs on the link BTC chart also, just to kind of have that here. I didn't have a chance to sit down and do that, but yeah, it's like, um, yeah. So, so the resistance on the link BTC chart, um, is like at around, hold on, I drew it wrong. Give me a second. Um, slightly off, but it's around 4,000 sats. And the thing is like, um, that's exactly where it met resistance on, you know, like, after it beat the dollar resistance, it hit BTC resistance and pulled back. And it dropped from like 4,000 sats down to 3,000 and then is running back up again. So we're still not at that. Like that's 
correlates with about seventeen dollars um, link. I think the probability of breaking that this time around is higher, just because like in a bullish market, usually a retest of a previous level is going to break. So I think that looks pretty good. So link, I think next level would be like 5,500 sats on the BTC chart, that would correlate to what? Um, let me see. So um, I'm not sure what the math is here, but 4,200 sats, I believe, is the $17 level. And mm -hmm. 5,500 sats um, would be sort of the next level on the BTC chart. And then... After that would be 7,000 sats. So that would be like a 2x from here. Yeah, 2x from here in terms of like on the Bitcoin chart. So that would put it at, yeah, 30 bucks or so. So I think like, yeah, two FIB levels up, I think is highly probable. This is very typical of chain link moves back in this level, by the way. So in the previous time that it was above like this 4,000 sat level, chain link would run two FIB levels up pretty readily. And everybody that looks at this chart is going to see the same thing. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to run. And then, like, beyond that, I think the, I don't know, I think the probability of just running to, um, I think there's a pretty good chance of hitting the prior high on the BTC pairing, which puts it somewhere in the probably $70 plus range, I'm guessing. Um, in fact, let me calculate that. So the high on the BTC pairing was 16,700 sats. If you divide that by where we are now, which is 3,700, is that right? 3,700, let me make sure. Uh, yeah, 3,700. Then that is a 4.5x from here. So 4.5x times, uh, let's see here, 15.85. Uh, yeah, you're getting to about $72. So 72 bucks chain link would be just simply getting back to its prior high on the Bitcoin chart. And then past that, like you get the next fib up on the VTC chart is another 2x from there that put it $140. And that's kind of where I was predicting for this market to hit at least 140. Will it run past that? That really depends on like narratives, virality, you know, like the, the whole pump of mentals behind the thing. I don't, you never know exactly. That's what. 2025, right? I mean, yeah, it'd be probably moving towards 2025 by that point. Um, but yeah, the altcoin, the altcoin space could reach like Bitcoin levels in terms of like, um, like there's only few coins, by the way, that are going to like get back to their highs versus BTC. Um, in fact, let me check where Solana is. Well, it depends. I mean, you never know how, how high Bitcoin will basically go this cycle. That's right. So, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult way to predict in that way. I guess some coins can really outperform. Solana's getting close. Solana's getting close on its pairing. Um, but the reality is like only a few coins will beat in any given year on the BTC pairing, especially when BTC runs, right, as well. So it's like it's hard to catch it. So it's almost like, um, you know, like of those, I think Solana appears to have the momentum. Um, I saw you reposted a diamond interview on the WF. Yeah. Uh -huh. It is kind of interesting to listen to him. You know, I mean, this guy is, you know, I just have to say you have to listen to 
people that are successful in life. You have to listen to Zephy or to Jamie Dimon. You know, it's like these people, <laughs> they really have at well, times some alpha to share, you know. It's it, no, it's just like what it is. It's true, right? I mean, he's not the leader of that bank for nothing, right? It's, yeah, it's, he's not an idiot. Um, he's <laughs> like, like no. And, you know, to be fair, as far as price action is concerned, I haven't been impressed with Bitcoin's price action either. I'm not impressed since 20, like 2017 peak of 20K Bitcoin that we're only at 42K right now. It's pretty sad, actually. Like, it's not very good. Yeah, basically, someone's controlling that call Bitcoin dev team, right? And then that's yeah. fucking up the whole thing. Like, so, if you I mean, happen to buy the wrong time in 2017, like, you pretty much did better in the stock market than you did here. Hmm. Right. So like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like, so BTC has not performed that great. So Bitcoin maxis can talk all they want, but then they need to buy some more fucking coins, what they need to do. Um, you know, the reality is a lot of people are hoping for, you know, other people to pump their Bitcoin bag, but diamond's not wrong. It's performance versus M2 is pretty pathetic, actually. Um, it's like triple topped or whatever. <laughs> it's just yeah, not I mean, that good. At the moment, they're just relying on the bloody central banks printing enough dollars, you know, so... You know, inflation does the price action is not really some accrual of value, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Bitcoin caught a bid because everyone was really pissed off with all the like all coins that crashed and all the exchanges that crashed. And, you know, it was like a flight towards self-custody again. And that was kind of the narrative during the bear market. Right. And BTC climbed during that period because. People just basically fed up with altcoins of one sort or the other, whether it was Luna and its crash or whether it was like, you know, Voyager and Celsius and BlockFi and all these things that crashed. A lot of pissed off people, basically. And there was like this mental model of like, um, you know, Bitcoin's the only thing for me. That's it for now on, right? Like that kind of model. And um, yeah, I that's... Mean it's like there's no regulatory framework no one checked what these guys were doing with the funds in reality right and then they just aped it all away into whatever dubious investments and then or you're holding or you're using the end of the day right yeah another interesting thing today um the sec court case going on apparently the judge uh, claimed that um like new laws need to be created for crypto and people they the sec needs to stop it's applying the howey test to it's not it's not accurate enough for this particular asset class which is very interesting mm -hmm. so that's like bullish for altcoins generally speaking um because it means that like if there's a precedent set that that's the case the sec is going to have a harder time like running after other chains that were named in like the cosmos law i mean sorry the uh the coinbase lawsuit such as cosmos adam and a variety of other things that were sort of like listed on the um unregulated securities list you know that is SEC that created. actually related to that xrp lawsuit i think it is right i mean it's just no like coinbase they got a list um like all they, right they, right, they were right, dragged right, in right. with a list of mm -hmm. coins that they listed that were sort of unregistered securities by their claim right and on among those coins was like adam for example so that's where like that's where they got into all this and you know i mean to be fair like a lot of these things are really kind of securities t to a large extent right like people yeah. teams use a ship for, yeah. for for uh security purposes in the terms of like fundraising all the time like that's just normal like so they are being used as securities i would tend but, to agree but, with that but you know how yeah. the lawmakers work right if if they can they just use the lawnmower and mow down everything first you know and then <laughs> Let's see if someone sues, right? <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, the mandate of the SEC is to like 
essentially like commit to enforcing the Howie test essentially and all securities should be registered and technically like, you know, they have to get a regulatory approval before being registered and considered safe and all that shit. So anyway, but uh, but the way the judge pointed this out, it was pretty much a setback for SEC for this lawsuit against Coinbase. So I think the probability of Coinbase like walking away from this lawsuit has increased substantially because you have a judge that like understands what the fuck's going on a little bit. I, I, I wonder for a real security, whatever, it's a stock or whatever, is, is released or let's say registered in the US. I mean, you have a, a registration fee and then you have basically all these lawyer fees and whatnot, right? There's oh, yeah. a fortune, right? And I, I mean, for a small corporation, it's going to cost you in lawyer fees like a minimum of like 150 to 200K uh, to kind of like that's for a small thing. For a really big thing, like, oh my God, it's endless. Um, Work yeah, all, auditing and everything, everything leaves a trail, right? It's not like uh, you just mm-hmm. send the bills down to bookkeeping or whatever, you know. Reporting and requirements and this <laughs> and that. Yeah. It's like a, it's a mess, you know. So just imagine some small crypto project that wants to do something, you know. They they don't know anything about bookkeeping in the first place. They try to piece some chain together, right? It's, it's just like it's killing everything. Oh, yeah. So. Routine projects, yeah. Like... <laughs> So I think um, it does make it harder for Coinbase to justifiably list certain coins and stuff. And some coins are not even being, and DEXs are like trying to geoblock users and geoblock people with VPNs and stuff. We saw that with Nameda. We saw it with Astroport. We saw it with Mars. Um, like a variety of projects are doing that where they're blocking everybody. And we're sort of seeing that, of course, with exchanges. That's a big deal. Um so it's like, in fact, that's probably one of the reasons why, for example, like Luna hasn't moved much this time, even though like its price is really low. It's easy. It's just not easy to buy right now. It's unless you go to DEXs and things. You can't go to jump on KuCoin. Most people can't jump on KuCoin over here anymore either, for that matter. So fair amount of exchanges that used to be available, like Gate and KuCoin and I don't know, BitMart or whoever else, a lot of things got blocked for US users, which is kind of like bearish for certain coins. So I think that's so another thing that you, Chainlink you, has benefited from. Like they they have not been blocked anywhere. They're, it's available mm-hmm. everywhere. It's available on ETH DEXs. It's available on, um, um, like it wasn't named, for some reason it wasn't named by the SEC in the various lawsuits against Coinbase and others. And so it's been kind of like, people have turned a blind eye to it to a large extent, which is cool. Um, it's cool if you own it, obviously. but. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Maybe mm-hmm. because they also don't run out their own chain, right? It's maybe just because it's a token. It's kind of uh, not Still, too though, much. They, own, they securitized it, right? They, the, the Chainlink company owns a lot of the coin. Yeah, but no. it's not like you can use Chainlink to do whatever stupid stuff and steal people's money. You know, It's not like it's not supportive of that. It's just a token, you know, and it can get stolen as a token, but it's yeah, not like Yeah, but like SEC doesn't really care what the thing is for. They usually care what whether there's a security property of it, meaning that it functions as a, a fundraising instrument for the company. Yeah, so, but I mean, obviously someone makes a distinction, right? <laughs> well, so, someone, yeah, whoever like ignored Chainlink on that list, uh, even though it's like one of the most obvious of securities, is really fascinating. Like, so like, yeah, yeah and I'm bullish Chainlink and I want my back to go up. But like, 
by any rational definition, is it a security? Of course it is. Like, that's just obvious. Even Luna was, you know, with TFL, it was a security. Like, anytime you have like a gigantic portion of the coin um, holdings in the hands of the, the creator of the coin, then that's exactly what it is. Like, it'd be more bullish for Chainlink in some ways if they were to destroy, like, burn a lot of their, their supply and not actually let it ever enter the market. That would be really, really bullish for Chainlink. But I don't know. And who knows if they'll ever do something like that. Um, but yeah, like chart right now looks pretty solid. Um, I don't know if it'll take any more dips at, at here or we're going to hit like, we're going to run to the next level. Um, let's, let's yeah. see. Yeah. It's always, uh, it's an interesting thing. You, you, you you'll see tomorrow, Sefi. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, yeah. It's always tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like it's, it reached, it, it, um, it reached this level in November, early November. It's already December january so like we've we've gone like two and a half months since it sort of reached this zone or two months so we've got like a pretty good consolidation range um does it do it another month i guess it could but um but like i don't know the, the risk is low enough here to me that it's like all right add a big bag and just wait if it dips a bit who cares it's a relatively i mean this thing is an easier investment than most of my stocks but in, in all seriousness, like, I mean, and truly in all seriousness, I can't even think of a stock at this moment that's super bullish right now compared to like where Chainlink is in the relative state of the market. So I think like compared to my stocks and shit, number one, it is Chainlink is already my position that I bought at seven bucks is already outperformed. Oh, I don't know, like 95% of the stocks I own. And like from here, I added a bunch more here um at like 14 bucks i added some at I think nine or ten and then i added some here as well so i got a pretty sizable bag now my thinking is like uh it's a pretty good one to run to 140 um and like once it gets to that level i can reassess the market see where we are so that'll be a pretty solid multiple from here To the extent that I was also trying to figure out, yeah, when is it going to run to that? Because it affects my tax situation. Um, whether I, you know, whether this is something you sell this year or you something you sell next year, depending on how quickly the altcoin market like runs, right? So what we don't know for sure is like, is this going to behave like a prior bull market where you know, like everything happened after the happening? I have this feeling that like I'm not sure why, but. I have this sense that maybe everything runs a lot faster this time, like maybe as early as like, like if I just look at trajectory of previous price action for Chainlink and I look at trajectory for the current price action, like the trajectory would put you at $140 Chainlink by November, right? Like if it just followed the same trajectory as last season approximately, um, even even go, getting back to its all-time high, like it would only take till maybe may if you follow the trajectory of uh, 2021 so yeah i think we're in good shape and the other thing too is here like at this level uh where Chainlink is now like btc was actually considerably higher um like btc now is considerably higher than it was then so the market is just bigger and there's just more available liquidity everywhere so i think stuff can run like similar to how Solana ran, I think Chainlink can do the exact same thing like right now, like immediately, like in the next month or two. 
Um, and just judging by just the the racket on crypto Twitter and social media and stuff, it looks like it's getting there. And then uh, like Lark Davis and some of these guys made videos on YouTube and stuff. And um, so it's getting there. And then like the volume has dropped off while it's rising here. Um, so it's it's not like in any kind of FOMO period. And then, like I mentioned yesterday, the Google Trends shows that almost nobody is like retail is barely searching for Chainlink. So chain, the retail buyer is going to be buying this sucker when people are like max talking about it at like $31. Like that's what's going to happen here in a minute. Because um, retail buyers aren't there if the Google Trends is not showing a whole lot of search hits, right? So they're not they're not here yet. And you always have to screw over retail, right? That's how this you have to screw over the newbies. That's how this works. They show up late after all the people start talking about this. Buy it really early. So if you're on crypto Twitter, what you'll notice is every time Chainlink hits support like resistance level right around 1580. Crypto Twitter goes crazy. Why? Because like, oh, the pump is coming. The pump is coming. It's like this, like the chart actually leads a lot of the people to tweet more, which is really funny. That's why like all like breaking of resistance sometimes can be a good play. But the last three times um, against the dollar resistance, it fell. And the last three times versus BTC, um, it topped out at like... Um, it topped out in November. So it's really just done a pullback versus BTC this um, like this last couple of months. Yeah. Yeah, Sefi, so. did, you, did you actually sell some stocks today or yesterday? Um, I sold, I don't remember what. Um, I sold a couple of small things and then I bought some stuff too. Like I doubled my position in the Chinese electric car guys. I had like tiny little positions in those, just starter positions, but I kind of doubled them because they fell back down to previous like lows or support. That'd be like SP, XPeng and like whatever's it, Neo and whatever. And um, my thought is like, I can add to those as time goes on. So the electric car market is the worst performing in my stock portfolio. So that means I should be buying that one, basically. <laughs> like, um, And Tesla still like, crazy overvalued for what it is um so i think there's, there's plenty of room in the market for uh stock market for a dump in my view because there's like some stuff that's definitely overvalued yeah uh, on the other hand amd is like going crazy at like uh, like a 1200 pde ratio yeah. and getting ready to break high and stuff so i'm like whatever maybe it breaks high maybe it doesn't fuck this i'm selling amd because like it's, it's like it's a pe of 1200 i mean that's just a that's just a sell waiting to happen, right? Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about these health stocks? Um, well, the, the the drug company ones have done well this year. If you bought the bottom, yeah, which I, which I did buy all all those to the bottom. Um, some have performed better than the others, but yeah, it's like I haven't added anything though. Like in stocks, the only one I'm willing to add to right now would be like. Uh, something related to like energy with high dividend yield. So, and the reason is because like the energy stuff will dip um, if the if this economy is generally dip. And um, like one of the ones I picked up was I think Devon D E V O N. And what's interesting about that one is that it has a high dividend yield of like seven percent. Um. 
which is which is really good. So, in fact, let me see what happened to that one here. Devin, D, that's DVN. Um, it dropped a little bit more today, another 1.4% today, which is fine. Um, its dividend yield is 6.89% at this price level at a PE to PDE ratio of 7. So, I think like it's reached a, a 6 month low. Let me see. It's reached a 1 year low. It's reached um yeah, it's pulled back a lot. So it kind of got pumped with the oil market and stuff, and it's down from its high of like 77 down to 41. Looks like a great buy. Nice one for like just long-term dividend yields, just having a little bit here and there. I don't know too much about this particular energy company. I just feel like PDE is decent. The fundamentals are acceptable. I mean, it's listed as undervalued by like fair value. And I think someone else bought this recently. Uh, JP Morgan or somebody bought some, I think. So it's kind of like one of these things where it's like um, the the public probably doesn't know what it is. It's one of those that you just get a little bit and uh, hold on to some dividends from that. Anyway, so yeah, didn't do too much in stocks. Uh, sold my AMD, bought Devin, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think the energy is still still interesting. And by and by the way, I had no idea AMD would reach a PDE ratio of fourteen fifty five. What the hell? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what what is going on here? I mean, they're selling a lot of chips and stuff, and they're jumping into the generative AI market and some other shit, but, like, still. Um, and, it, and it may do well long-term, but it's, like, talk about, like, a really high-flying high, high flying stock. It broke prior high of 158, and it went to 160 now. I don't know. It seems like one of those things that will double-top and dump. It's just like but, the PDE is just too ridiculous. But you can see how much demand in chips there will be in no time, right? I mean, it's a total. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not that they won't do well. It's just like their stock oh, prices. No, no. Yeah, it's the only thing that's big and available and everyone knows, right? There's other things that may be yeah. much more lucrative, but you don't know shit about it or they're even not listed publicly, right? Yeah, it's just at this price level, I think most of the gains have been had. Like I, I don't know where I bought this, but I'm up. I was up like forty percent. I'm like, what do I care if I sell it now, right? Like it's it's fine, but like it was at ninety eight dollars on October first, twenty twenty three, and now it's at one sixty. Get out of here! Like, why would it be that? You know, it's just one of these like coins that just pumped on momentum. Um, yeah, it's like, and the other one I'm hoping will drop is going to be something like Tesla. So I last um, owned this thing like one seventy or something. And its PDE is like 69 and dropping. It went all the way to 300. See, this is a lesson in buying overvalued shit. Like, you know, at, it went to 280. You know, I made most of the benefit from like 100 to 175. And I was like, fine with it. I'm like, whatever, sell. But now on the way down, like I'm going to be watching for it to like drop below the previous support of 207 and dump back down maybe to the price that I bought Tesla in the first place. If it goes back to 165, 170 range, I think I'll be more interested in Tesla. But its PDE is like 69. Like a 50% haircut from here would put it at 110, you know, 105. I'd be very comfortable with this stock like under $100 for Tesla. But, you know, like the only people that believe it'll go that low is someone who's lived through like mega downturns in tech stocks you know like um so i you know yeah and on the whole like there's way more upside in crypto right now in my view than there is in stocks necessarily although if stocks take a nosedive it could it could drag everything down including crypto so it's hard it's hard to say but 
upside wise, I think like the stock market has run so much. Um, like, I don't know who the new buyers are today. Like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think these, some of these things need to pull back. So I think what I'm doing is I'm just sniping pullbacks on the stock market. So if I have my list and I see something drop, whatever drops the most, like the EV stuff dropped, like Chinese market dumped today anyway. Um, I don't know if you're following that, but um, mm -hmm. the whatever I had from the Chinese market, which is like the EVs, they some of them went down like 7% or more today. I picked up the ones that dropped the most. Same as usual. I just buy the value and value buys. Um, but yeah, here goes Solana. See, like it's 10. Remember, I picked it up at like 103. It's trickling back up and um, countering Bitcoin, basically. And looks like it's going to head back to that 123 resistance soon. Yeah, I and think run to all time high. You know, there's this one thing, I'm, at least here in Europe, I know this for a fact. They mobilized so much money during that lockdown time, you know, it's like slush funds for whatever. And they tried to, they, they're still available, right? There's still a lot of money that hasn't been deployed. And now they're trying to make up reasons for using up that money. And I, I don't know how it works in the US, but you have all these different incentive programs during the, during the crisis, right? And they're not deployed all at once, right? So the money is slowly and steadily I haven't seen any kind of um, major announcements for like stimulus deployments of any kind. Yeah, but the, the thing that were authorized already, they, they're not like deployed immediately, right? They're, they're spread over like three or four years time spans usually. Yeah, right? I'm not, but I'm not really sure what has been, uh, like are there any specifics or not? Well, you had four big stimulus programs, right? In the US, I think under COVID, one was... Uh, uh, I, I can't remember, but I think it was actually four packets that, that were deployed. One was the CHIPS Act, right? And then you had this other, oh, you, you know better, but I'm, I'm just, I just know that they, they don't deploy this immediately, right? So I, Yeah, but I wouldn't I also, be surprised. Not, there's nothing major that was deployed. Um, and a lot of people got affected by the fact that the Supreme Court knocked down this like thing where, where they tried to like, um, um they, they tried to um the student loans they were trying to get them dismissed so they can you know give biden voters free money essentially and the supreme court said no you can't do that shit so like a bunch of people are like stuck having to pay their student loans now and they don't know where to get the money uh pretty interesting stuff well, a lot of students and stuff just figured oh they're going to just dismiss my loans and they, they started spending their money and like i think u.s credit card debt is at an all-time high too at the moment yeah at fifteen percent interest rate, right? Something stupid. Oh, oh, higher than that, like probably eighteen percent nominal. I would think yeah. they don't deserve uh, any better, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see the U.S. credit card debt. Let me see if there's like a now they have these little charts and things. I'm just curious where that is now. Mm. I believe it's pretty high. Nearly half of U.S. credit card holders in debt. Hmm. Let's see, is there a graphic here somewhere with the? It's definitely bullish for Visa and Mastercard, right? They have been doing well, actually. <laughs> of course, I mean... <laughs> because they make money mostly on the transactions, not on the debt itself. The banks issue the debt. Visa and Mastercard just like shuttle money around. That's pretty much what they make money on. 
Yeah, but it still has been shuttled around, right? I mean, funny Bloomberg, <laughs> Bloomberg article: Revenge spending drives U.S. credit card debt past one trillion. That's hilarious. It's, but I think lenders for like homes and this and that are going to be are becoming like they're really scrutinizing hard for a lot of this shit. So it's going to be like harder and harder. Not only are the interest rates high, but it's hard to actually get a loan right now for a home, and they're asking for greater and greater guarantees in terms of. Um, they have higher FICO scores and stuff like that, right? Not just FICO, but just income and also just asking for like more money down for larger loans. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, in, in a couple of years ago here in Germany, actually 20% wasn't enough to buy a home, right? You had to have some other guy with a home sign for you, like a dad or something, right? On on the on the bank loan, additionally, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Getting those that. loans is really hard now. I mean, that would be more. Um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> but uh, I think total household debt. New York Fed, November eighth said it was seventeen point three trillion in quarter three. Interesting. But they also said, like, I saw another post somewhere that said, like. Over 50% of Americans now own their home, like outright with no loan too. Yeah, it's that, it's that spread between um, between the wealthy and the ones that made it and the ones that are never going to make it, right? It's kind of... Yeah. Kind of, it's, or people that felt like they could make it using debt, but then they did not actually spend most of their money to pay off the loans. They spent it on like buying shit, consumer shit pretty much. It's usually how that works. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's, and you actually are lucky in the U.S. You have pretty you have pretty low interest rates. You know, many people could refinance for a pretty good rate in the last ten years or well, last year, years. especially. Yeah, yeah, it's like amazing, and uh, it's not. You got high. lucky, and you you refied right on time. You did you did great. Yeah. So, so there's a, there are a lot of people that did refi at those low sub 4% levels long-term, which is also kind of why you're seeing that like the real estate market here in the U S is kind of locked up. People aren't buying and selling anything because like, let's say I sold my house and I were yeah. to, you know, let's say I were to go and, you know, pay off a loan that I have on the house. And then I move to another house and I take another loan. That loan is going to be much higher, like, you know, cost. Right. So it doesn't make any sense. So the, the the buying and selling market is essentially locked up and people are kind of not nearly as mobile at this point. Um, and then people are going to make decisions too, like regarding their jobs and stuff too. Cause if, you know, moving implies they have to sell a house here and buy another one over there and they're going to take a much higher interest rate loan, that's going to affect like the level of house they can buy. Right. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to downsize when they move. Um, or just decide not to move and then stick with the job that they have. So your mobility goes down also when the interest rates go up. It's interesting. Yeah, it's just kind of a bane on, on development, right? I mean, it's not it's not very encu encouraging to young people if they if you want to move something and you have to downsize just because stuff is so much expensive. Just the situation makes it so much expensive for you to just sell and buy a home right and the other thing is the construction industry is suffering right 
how much are home 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 builds down? What's the is there any any metrics? Yeah, it's called like new construction mm-hmm. uh, or new housing starts. They call it. Um, let me look it up and see what happened. New housing starts. Like there's some statistics somewhere. I don't have all these things like in a bookmark somewhere. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's it's like a, it seems to be a worldwide issue. You know, so the housing market is not doing well anywhere right now. It's not just China or the U.S. or Europe. It's like maybe Nigeria is doing fine. <laughs> but it's, it's like a, it's, it's kind of depressive. I have some friends. It doesn't in look like new, har- new housing starts have changed much. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Because it says like there's a summarizing AI little thing here from Brave AI. Um, and it says like gen- as of January 17th, there have been 1.4 million non-seasonally adjusted new house starts the last 12 months. And with seasonally adjusted housing starts totaling 1.372 million in 2022, there was 1.53 million. Um, and this is why, like, some of the stocks that I would not have expected to run went up quite a bit, like Toll Brothers, which is a big, like, you know, like, um, I don't know what they call these stock home builders or whatever. Um, no. They produce a lot of those and they were doing pretty well. Um, but that could have been just that could have been lagging stuff too. But people were more bearish than the market turned out to be, right? Maybe, yeah. Let me see here. Uh, let me see what happened with see what happened with Toll Brothers just to see. It's t- the ticker is TOL. They let's see. Yeah, they they kind of ran from like $68 in October all the way up to $99 or $103 top uh, by December 18th. And now that's pulled back to $99. And I think some of this is just like people were waiting for the you know tax year change and stuff like that. That may be why we have some of these drops potentially. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I think if the stock market dumps a lot, BTC could get affected. Will that affect the altcoin space very much? That's a maybe. Because this last BTC dump from like 50K almost down to like 41K or whatever this was, that like dump, the altcoins really did quite nicely, right? They held up most of their value. Um, yeah, BTC dropped from 49 down to like 41.5, something like that. So that's a pretty big drop and everything held up pretty well. So that's why you're seeing all these charts with the, the altcoin uh, charts are all like do, uh, rising versus BTC. That's that's a pretty obvious feature. Um, I've had some issues like transferring Atom to buy some Zeph today over at um, MEXC. The, the Atom wallet is like locked or some shit. So like I sent some not realizing that their deposits were closed. Okay. And they closed the entire day. I don't know who, what the hell they're doing over there at MXC, but like, yeah, I, I realized it before sending it today, and then I actually just sent some Osmo over there instead of Adam, and yeah. that works. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's like my uh, my money's in limbo, and I wanted to pick up Zeph right at like sixteen twenty, and I'm like, shit, like my money got locked up in there. And <laughs> anyway. And it says maintenance. They had the same shit 
the other day on some other coin, I can't remember. Oh, it was Levana, I think, on Osmo. Yeah, they just lock up my Levana in the blood wallet. Yeah, Zeph uh, just simply does not want to do like a nice drop to like 15, 14 bucks real quick so we can all get some ZRS. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't want to go there. Yeah. Pain in the ass. Fishy. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like someone's defending their position or whatever. It's quite possible. Yeah. But on the other hand, it could just actually... It could be, be whatever, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to find out, like, this time around if Zephyr's position gets protected at this level or not. Um, and if it drops, then we'll know that, like, okay, the ZRS, you know, reserve ratio is not really a strong indicator of support, but I would imagine it is going to have some support there. Um, yeah, let's see. I think if, if Link actually pumps then the Zeph bottom will be also in, you know, I think this could easily coincide, you know, because if the whole market, if Link leads the whole thing, you know, that's, that's my, just my guess, you know, if Link pumps, if it goes, if Link goes in no time to 21, then all the alts will follow, you know, and Zeph will too, so you won't get an entry there for the arts. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Anyway, um, all right, yeah, I just have like, some IT issues with some people at one of my company things. Try to answer back. <laughs> um, let me see here. Anyway, any any other interesting news happening? Nah. Well, I had a good year last year with my Chinese business. Mm -hmm. Pretty solid. So yeah, people can be bearish whatever they want. You know, but if you. What do you said exactly? <laughs> yeah, don't want to go into details, but you rough, you, you remember, right? I think you I think remember. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's the but the selling to who, like, um, like who, uh, oh, distributors. We just work through distributors. So I have dedicated clients in many different countries, so I don't have to deal with all the retail shit and that. You know, I just manufacture and develop these things. So yeah, but it's an it's it's an interesting market, and there's actually a lot of development, you know. So also AI related, I think we will have a lot of nasty things coming out of that sector, but also a lot of nice things, you know. So there will be a lot of new applications coming out. There's a lot of stuff going on, and um, yeah, yeah. So it's I'm, I'm actually quite happy, and we can also see that it's also attracting uh, younger generations. So there's a lot of young folk, young people that are actually getting that. We, it's easy to on, onboard them. It's just technical and everything. So yeah, definitely has a future, you know, some, it's always something I was worried about that people lose interest in things, you know, that's mm. not the case. So yeah. Yeah. And food packaging, you know, if people need to eat, you know, so it's always the, <laughs> it's the other, yeah, the, the other thing. But food packaging was actually quite depressed, or is still since, at least for Europe. And with the US, we just had these 25% tariffs, which is completely prohibitive for us, right? So since Trump imposed them, we can't do it. You know, it's, it's no way. It's just like it's too expensive, 25%. Anyways. So, yeah, but other than that, it was a good year. And um, yeah. Looking pretty good. Yeah. Let's see. 
let's hope there's no major whatever, you know, <laughs> like a stupid war or something that screws everyone. Because at that point, at, at the moment, I think it's, it's not going to turn out for, well for anyone. You know, if you have a major conflict somewhere, it's just going to be bad for everyone. This, no one's going to be not affected by that. It's just like, yeah, anyways, just hope they relax a little bit and let people just live their lives, you know, and try, and try not to fuck the things up too badly. <laughs> I was just pulling up, um, like, I was pulling up Chainlink's info here as far as, like, uh, what is going on. And so, like, as of July, there was cross-chain interoperability protocol, CCIP, entered the mainnet early access phase on Avalanche, Ethereum, Optimism, and Polygon. Okay. And, um, are lending adopting CCIP, including Synthetics, which is live on CCIP mainnet, as well as Aave, BDG Labs, and others. So CCIP mainnet is supposed to be opening soon. So that was the early entry type of thing. Um, five test nets, Arbitrum, Avalanche, Ethereum, Optimism, and Polygon. Uh, you know how this sounds to me? This sounds like a prototype for linking different stock exchanges all over the world. You know exactly. That's what. That's precisely what this is. And so, yeah, both. That's why, like, you know, both Larry Fink and Jamie Dimon, you, you know, mentioned tokenization and the only company that's large enough to be doing that at any scale at this stage in the crypto space is when they when they were like downplaying, like when Diamond was downplaying Bitcoin, for example. He'd mentioned tokenization and Larry Fink said the same thing. So if those two players are talking about tokenization, then it's simply inevitability at this point, I think, um, especially with the type of partnerships that they're building so far with TradFi with, um, with Chainlink thus far. So I think these are like items that will be like over a several year time frame, though. So I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, like it starts and all these things are connected next week or something. And there has to be a regulatory framework and custodian and shit and whatnot, right? So it says here the medium article from August. Ave and synthetics are two major projects already adopted CCIP. Um, we'll likely see many others in the coming months. Sergey Navro believes CCIP can give the crypto industry access to trillions of dollars, making it easier for you know traditional finance to engage in the DeFi world, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of know all that stuff. Um but yeah, like this will be an ongoing sort of narrative for the next couple of years. And the nice thing is, as each new thing shows up, it's new social media fodder to result in trending, right? So that's the thing. Like when, and then I think, like, where does the main net um, date actually? You know, something, what, what I think what they are kind of planning to do is like, you see what Amazon did is basically they tried to link the retail consumer to the manufacturer, right? So they're just one one man in the middle, right? So it's Amazon provides everything. They do the shipping, they do the, the, the service, they do design, they do research and whatnot. And if you if it's on stocks, like right now, you have like companies like Fidelity, you have the stock exchanges, you yeah, have of course. custodians. So you get rid of all of that in the end of the day. There's just GP Morgan and um, maybe Chandler <laughs> gets it back. Yeah, that's what they do. The world. Yes, um, of there's course. Um, that's, that's the plan. Of course, actually, I, think, I, I think I read this wrong. I think CCIP launched on mainnet on July 17, 2023. So it's already out. It's just like more things are being added, you know, groups that are adopting 
CCIP. So it's like, it's almost like they're, they want to get big enough where if you don't adopt CCIP, you're just left behind. It'd be no different than being left behind on not adopting Tether or, you know, have a USDC or some other sort of thing. So the network effect of interoperability protocols um, is really powerful. And like Cosmos IBC would be doing better now had it been for like a lot more liquidity having entered like Cosmos a bit earlier. Right now, like Cosmos has got a lot a lot of new liquidity this year. Um, and this sort of early bull market with Injective and a few other chains, obviously, Celestia and other things. So there's definitely some progress being made, but um, I think maybe behind the eight ball a little bit on um, like the number of things Chainlink can have set up, right? Because I don't think there's anybody doing business development for Cosmos hooking up stock market stuff or whatever to IBC. I don't think it's happening. So that's the thing about being super decentralized. It's an interesting toolkit, but there's no business development side. And a lot of these banks and stuff, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like they're not going to start starting an IT department to do this fresh, right? Where's the Cosmos Foundation actually incorporated? It's like the, the is it in Switzerland or, or what? I, I don't uh, know. Yeah, something like in Europe or something. I don't know exactly how they did it, but. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Chainlink is basically a US corporation, right? Um, Chainlink is, yes. I believe it's San Francisco. But these are the very simple things, you know. I mean, if you want to do business with a U.S. bank, you have to be incorporated and in good standing in the U.S. You know, that's like, <laughs> it's just like, a, it's like a driving license for driving a car, right? I mean, it's the minimum requirement. It's just how it works, you know. It's, they don't make an exception for anyone. It's just I'm, like, trying to, I'm trying to see if there's some like any news. I mean, that's the bad thing, right? You you build up uh, decentralized protocols and try to be like, um, yeah, non-profit and whatnot, right? But you build it in a way that it actually makes it difficult for for profits to work with you. Mm. In a way, it was disrupt Africa. Top altcoins for the bull run. <laughs> These kind of funny little articles. Oh, ApeMax, right at the very top. Whatever the fuck ApeMax is. Solana, Bonk, Chainlink, Internet Computer. Funny. Internet Computer was like uh, a gigantic mess of a token launch when it came out. The thing yeah. pumped into infinity and then dumped back down to zero, essentially. Yeah, I Despite think it. Levana tried to emulate that, right? <laughs> That's exactly what Levana did, exactly. Whoops. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. I'm looking yeah, to see. But it was yeah. bad, right? It was bad so much. It was down so much. And then someone actually, and the funny thing was with this ICP token, I think it was Binance. They launched the purple, it was FTX, it was FTX, right? So, and as soon as the purple was out, it just went down all the way. You know, it's just like it never stopped pumping. <laughs> it's like they, they, they had a futures contract on the bloody thing, it started pumping. <laughs> funny. It's like, anyway, so Sam made some money on it. Looking to see if there's any. When is the judgment on Sam Bankman, by the way? Gonna be soon, right? I think he's already, isn't he life in prison, basically? I don't think, I think he had his judgment. No, no. Yeah, like, like a gajillion life sentences. I don't remember what it was. He was yeah, was, I mean, he's more or less sentenced, I think. I don't think there's anything new there. Mm, like, he just has to avoid being murdered in prison now, probably. God, what a mess, man. 
let's see here. What else? I'm looking at see like if there's any new news. Yeah, pretty much the only news like Block just mentioned, just Circle CCTP protocol for cross-chain USDC transfers was integrated into Chainlink, which is interesting. So, you know, there was kind of like two ways this could go. This could go that uh, Circle could have added CCIP to their system, or Chainlink uh, put CCTP into their system, one or the other. The problem with doing it this way is instead of like Circle incorporating CCIP directly is it just adds another bridge. So it's like a bridge to a bridge. So, um, hold up a sec. Let me hit on pause here. I've got to like do something for somebody real quick. Okay. Anyway, gang, we're not locked out of there. Password thing. Mohammed, what you up to, man? Wondering if I should sell my Litecoin by link instead. Hey, so have you have you? So, yeah. Hey. Yeah, so the chaining thing, man, I have like uh, one viewpoint about that. This thing is that it's, they are claiming to be uh, decentralized, but there are some persons who are basically, you know, providing the node. So, yeah, people some have some concerns about that. So, yeah, otherwise, it's, it's going. Uh... It's centralized. It is centralized. Like the multi-sig for Chainlink has like five people on it. <laughs> so, yes, it's centralized. No doubt about it. Yeah, that's just, so they they are claiming to be decentralized. So, so this is the issue. No. Otherwise, it's performing well. So yeah, I, I hope so. This is going to be a, a competitor for the Solana in a coming future. Yeah. Well, it's not a competitor. Solana just doesn't do anything compared to Chainlink. So like, uh, Chainlink is like vastly bigger in terms of its capabilities than Solana or Ethereum. I'm, I'm just like saying uh, in, in regards to the price. from a from a price perspective. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. Price price. Perspective, no, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, do well. and another thing is that the the, the FOMO man, like the people were expecting the price of a BTC going to be parabolic after these uh, ETF things, but uh, things are not going in, in that particular direction, man. What what you see about that? Um, parabolic on what scale? Hours or something? What are you talking about? Like BTC has been parabolic really since like the last. No, no. If you if you see the like uh, the day before twenty twenty two. If you mm -hmm. see the like uh, the the day before the, the ETF got you know approved, so yeah, the, yeah, the, when the you know the fake the fake tweet was came out, so there was a huge breakout, you know. So we were expecting that thing, so th that never happened. So <laughs> I don't know why. No, 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 you're overthinking this. This is simple. So BTC basically, um, there's always leverage on BTC. There's people gambling with five x, ten x leverage and whatever. So anytime there's some kind of narrative like ETF or whatever, the thing's going to pump some, right? People are going to go crazy trying to gamble on that leverage and including spot buyers that come in like, you know, you know, whatever. So, and then like when that happens, that means that there's no buyers left because all the buyers bought before the ETF announcement. So you typically get a bit of a sell the news event. Um, but like, you know, 42K Bitcoin is what, uh, we've been at since like November, you know, since like, yeah, December 3rd, you know, that type of time frame. So plenty of decent consolidation is actually doing quite well. Um, yeah. Could you dip and go down further? It's quite possible. Um, there was quite a bit, a lot of anticipation in the ETF thing, but I don't think it's going to be like a big time sell the news thing because you have happening year coming up. And when I, when I mean sell the news, I mean like a 50 to 60% sell off. 
a 20% drop in Bitcoin is like, that can happen any day. Like literally any day of the week, you can have a 20 to 30% drop in BTC. Um, like, or not even any day. Let's say, let's put every, uh, if you give a given week, like I'll give you an example. We've had weeks where we dropped from 27K to 17K. We've had times when we've dropped this last year from 22 down to 19, for example, or whatever. So yeah, if you look at weekly candles, you see fairly deep drops. And if you look at monthly candles, you of course get like quite deep drops. Um, and uh, so far we've had like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, I don't know, like 10 months of relatively positive price action. Um, it wouldn't be surprising at all if you saw some pullback here. Um, so yeah, ETF like coincided with like the 50K, there's a 50K sort of FIB level, um, depending on how you draw FIBs, but there's a 50K level. And then like having some pullback there as resistance is pretty normal. But this is a fairly unremarkable drop, I would say. Um, now, you know, it's really hard to tell though. Looking at charts and stuff and trying to predict where it's going to go from here is really difficult. But um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone felt like, I knew it wasn't going to go parabolic with just the ETF because the um, ETFs were happened already in Europe before and it didn't have any effect on price. Not only that, but almost nobody used the ETFs. So one could argue that most people that want to own Bitcoin in 2024 already have it. And the existence of an ETF might have added a few people. But there's also some FUD going on. And the FUD is that like, oh, Grayscale is moving their Bitcoin to Coinbase. And therefore, that means that they're going to have to sell their Bitcoin you know, as part of the GBTC trust. I don't know what the, they're going to do with their Bitcoin, honestly. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, that is the thing, Sefi. So why they are moving their, you know, to the Coinbase? With, that, that is the main thing, man. Why? Because they, because they have to. Because they, the GBTC is going to be closed down and they're going to be moving out of that and going to just ETF, right? So it could be that what's happening is Coinbase might be the custodian for that BTC for the ETF. And maybe they're just going to park it there. I don't know. Maybe there's going to be some sell pressure from them. I don't know. But the reality is nobody knows except GBTC. So that's why, because they have such a gigantic pile of Bitcoin, there's this, there's going to be a um, hesitancy in the market because people are going to wonder if they're going to sell. And as a result of wondering if they're going to sell, no one else is going to buy. And if nobody else buys, it either sits still or it just drops. So um, it could very well drop as a result of the, uh, the grayscale situation. We just don't know for sure. So you can't really make any... Like, what are you going to do? You, you're not going to know for sure either way. So either you're a buyer of crypto now, you're a holder, or you're a, you're, 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 you're a seller now. One of the, one of the three things. Um, you have to decide which you're going to be based on your risk tolerance. But it's like you're not going to know any more than anybody else um, what they're going to do or not going to do. But the market reacts psychologically either way, especially big, big buyers. Like, retail buyers don't matter, number one. Like, like you, you know, people that are buying, like, you know, small amounts of um, uh, people are my, buying small amounts here and there are not the ones that uh, they're worried about. Excuse me one second. Got to do one thing here. Yeah, that's right, man. So, yeah. So in 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 uh, according to the price section, so if you see the heat Binance uh, liquidation heat map, so. I think so. The price is going to be uh, go down. So probably around uh, like uh, forty one seven hundred. Probably around that. 
Yeah, maybe. That's possible. I'm not too worried about it anyway. I don't really trade. Um, uh, I don't really trade um, BTC anyway. Not very much. So last time I bought it was like, I don't know, under under 18K or something. Sold it like oh, you are. <laughs> and you are holding that. So, okay. No, I, I sold it at 27 and I bought Chainlink with it at seven. Um, so positions in a 2X from that. Um, actually, not just Chainlink, a variety of things, but mainly Chainlink with that. So, yeah, like I just have, I, I leave some on the exchange that I just trade. Um, So what about the like Safi selling strategy? Like if the price is going up, so you you can sell some percentages, and then if it goes up, then sell sell some more, and so on. This is what your what is your strategy? Mm, sometimes I'm just messing around. I just pick a time to sell and just guess. Um, other times, you know, like <laughs> if it just depends on overall market. So um i would divide the future into two time frames the time frame in which btc passes its prior high and the time frame before it passes prior high and once you sort of pass prior high i think things get uh sort of like super bullish for everything um before it does that like at these levels like 42 to 50000 is like pretty solid resistance for btc area and it's more likely that altcoins run here uh in my mind which is why i'm mostly in alts here and um like if btc were to drop to like i don't know 24k which would be priced to mine then i have an alarm set there actually my alarm's at 22900 and if btc goes there again i'm a buyer again if it doesn't go there again i don't need it it's that simple mm, it's like the price to mine has everything to do with what it's worth uh in my view so so the price to mine after happening is like somewhere between 20 to 24K. And um, one of the things you can look at is the hash rate capitulation chart, which is the like, um, usually if Bitcoin dumps to a certain level, then like miners will capitulate, meaning you'll see the hash rate drop a lot. And that's another great place to buy usually. And it hasn't capitulated as of late. Uh, hash rate's been really good because the new ASIC miners are really good. They're really very, very efficient. And so people have already sort of like the miners have substantially upgraded to the new um, to the new ant miners and whatnot. And um, as a result, like you may not see too much havening related change in hash rate. But you, you ought to, though. I mean, you're going to have like um, it becomes twice as hard to mine BTC as of April. Right. So that's going to have some effect. We'll see. And then, um, uh, you know, is there going to be some kind of you know, price dump before or after the happening. Remember, same way that ETF is a like a an event. It's kind of you can have a buy the you know buy the phone, buy the excitement, sell the news. Happening can do that too. Some people sometimes BTC runs up before the happening and it runs up really fast, then dumps for happening, and then other times it's like happening uh, results in a run afterwards because of some of the deterministic uh, price action afterwards. And that, that usually is like six months plus after happening. So you're talking about like end of 2025, you start seeing things really pick up at that point. So yeah, it's quite possible this year, like BTC could go sideways, run back down to the price to mine. In fact, I'm hoping for that to happen. If BTC drops back to like 22.9, 
again, you know, maybe it goes there, maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. Like to me, like that, if it does, then to me, I would convert some stocks or some other assets to Bitcoin again, and then ride it up one more time. So it's just that simple. Um, you don't need to have any fancy rationale for BTC, in my opinion. And if it goes higher, who cares? Like the rest of the market will go higher too. And all my alts will outperform BTC anyway. Because basically like alts during a bull run are usually going to do multiples more than BTC. So if you are bullish on BTC, you should have more alts. If you are bearish on BTC, then you should be prepared to buy at a certain level. Uh, Bitcoin itself, if it dumps a lot, really, that's kind of a good way to look at it. But um, and then if like I'm adding to bags, like and I'm worried that BTC could take a dump, I have a tendency to add to something that's already down, like a Litecoin or a Doge or something like that. Why? Because their downside risk is already somewhat baked in. And if BTC drops, you know, maybe they go like down 20, 30 percent or something. And, you know, maybe, you know, and then they'll come back, come right back up. So I think like that's why I picked up a little bit of those coins lately, um, just because like I'm going to add to some things. Um, those seem reasonable to do. So let's let's. Yeah, it's good times. But I think like uh, like very good, like risk benefit ratio overall for a large buy is definitely Chainlink. Um, like take, for example, right now, Solana. Would you put a million bucks into Solana right now at this level? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but like you would have to be willing to for, you know, you would have to be willing to handle like a 50% dump, a pretty substantial correction. Um, and if you don't mind, that's fine. But Solana is an example of one that's getting a little bit hot right here. It's almost back to prior highs and stuff. And um, it's uh, outperforming BTC. But um, you know, if it corrects, it'll correct very aggressively, right? Because it's it's already run up quite a bit. So you have to just think about that too. Like if it if your coin dumps, how far will it go down, and are you comfortable with that? It's a good way to look at it. If anyone else wants to hop up and chat about whatever your coin is, whatever, feel free. Um, most of the alts are just kind of like going sideways consolidation right now. We look at Kajira's chart, Neutron, Injective, any any of these things. They're all like they've they've kind of like done their dip. They've come to the middle of the road as far as their high and the recent dip, and they're just going kind of waiting. And so total three, which is the total like all the altcoins combined, um, minus Ethereum and and um, like if you total three is all the altcoins sub subtracting. Um, uh, Ethereum and BTC, and uh, Total Three has. Let me look where it is on its fibs and stuff, just to see, in general, where we are. Um, okay, yeah, Total Three only went up like two fibs off. The, no, three fibs off the bottom, and then retraced to the second. It's now right above its second fib. So, yeah, it's like um, the way that this thing is calculated. It's like. It went up to 532 um, trillion, 532 billion, and total top was 1.13 trillion for total three back in uh, the previous bull run. So, um, yeah, Safia, if I may ask you, like, uh, you're almost, you're, you went almost 50% up on total three already. 
okay so if i may ask you sapi what you see what is the uh second best after btc you know uh, we were expecting ethereum to perform like it's it's uh it's supposed to be around twenty five thousand dollars right now so it's supposed to be half of the price of the btc right now right but second still best like of what um the price of the btc so btc is not btc wasn't even the first best um the best performing this year were basically like injective pretty much i think as far as like coins that were out before but you're saying like what exactly like in in, uh, in price sections of the like uh, in total you know worth in dollars yeah btc has been kind of whatever in my view it's not been that great um it's only been like a you know a little over like a, maybe a 3x right something like that so it's it's been pretty weak so i don't even worry about what btc does or doesn't do so, so the, no so the, my 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 question was basically so ethereum was is is not performing that well as it's supposed to be you know so you um, i don't so, know about that it's um so eth is now at um so its high was like around 4800 it made it to about 2700 it still has a bullish like um it's above its 50-day moving average and will likely catch up to btc in terms of its proportion from its top so it's already made it like over 50 percent of the way to its prior high so it's getting pretty close to btc in fact you can do the eth eth, eth btc chart which will compare the two and let's see yeah we've got about um another two-thirds of the way to go to perform had you bought like eth at the bottom and you bought bitcoin at the bottom um yeah btc performed better than eth so far um is eth going to catch up or is btc it's never going to catch up ever again that's the big question mark uh what happened with ethereum is the same kind of problem that happened with cosmos with adam is that like the liquidity is being um the liquidity is very like uh, spread out um liquidity for has gone to optimism and arbitrum and polygon and all these layer twos and there's less reason for people to go and buy ethereum directly so i think this is the maybe the reason for liquidity fragmentation is probably the main reason why ethereum has not done as well as uh, you might have expected so well I, I my mic was close so yeah so can you hear me yeah okay so any uh, guesses about any coin that you think could go to higher prices like suppose uh, the the price of btc is 100k and that that coin should go uh, might go to uh, 50k so any guesses or ideas about that particular coin give me a second well for starters like uh, cyclically speaking you have about two years to go so whatever it is you plan to do you're gonna have to be pretty patient so um but like what's going to perform the best and whatever is to some extent anybody's guess at this point um i think all you have to look at is like what's undervalued compared to the general market and i think like if you compare sort of general movements compared to like where the market's pricing in something i typically prefer at this point chain link for um an underperforming sort of like high market cap thing and then my picks for the low market cap thing were like things like Kajira and Zephyr and things of that nature. So yeah, it depends on which market caps you're talking about, how new of a thing you're talking about, how like, are you talking about older coins? Yeah, I mean, basically like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like how to get rich quick kind of thing? 
dropped off. <laughs> These questions are always like, how do I make the most money possible? It's like, as if anyone knows exactly what to buy. <laughs> yeah, buy a lottery ticket. Buy a lottery ticket, yeah. Yeah, good advice. Steffi, one question. Do, do you know um, stupid API on Maxi? You know, I just forgot to hit the sync button and I'm missing some mis history in November. Is there any tutorial on how to convert that to, you know, I can get these CSV files out of Maxi and then you have to. Yeah, there is. Like, do you use Coinly or what? Yeah. With Coinly, you can import Maxi's um, uh, CSV files. They have a template. So you just take whatever CSV they have and import it right in. And it should work. Like, I haven't done it yet, though. I need to do last year's um, into just, there. That's the point. That's why I'm asking you. It yeah, just, probably just <laughs> you can. What you can do is you can unsync, you can delete the whole history and do it over too. So just delete whatever you imported before and then start over and try yeah, again. I just tried to, you know, I used the API. Oh, the API can... thing sucks. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's like it only does a few weeks and it does, it's nonsense. Yeah. I don't know why it's so poor, but um, it's you're gonna... side. They don't yeah. provide any further info, right? So it just exactly six six days back or some stupid shit. Yeah. It's nonsense. Yeah, you have to do it. So yeah, I would just get the delete what you did so far and then uh, export the CSV file for last year, uh, import that in, and then you don't need to do this year's yet because, um, well, you could if you wanted to, but then you'd have to keep track of like which CSVs you've imported and which ones you haven't, right? Which months. You have to keep track of that, so it makes it more complicated. So I wouldn't import like I wouldn't import 2024 info at all yet. I just go straight to December 31st and import that. Should be you fun. also have to be careful with that stupid exchange because they just let you download CSV files like uh, six months backwards. Just, oh, yeah, that exactly. would be a problem. <laughs> you want to look into that? You know, I haven't seen that before with any other exchange. This kind of issue, you know. So yeah. is Mixi only six months? Yeah, so better to hurry. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, stupid exchange. This is the problem with these like um, these new exchanges. They always do something stupid. But they were around for a while, right? It's not like they're new, you know. Yeah, I think what I'll do is I'll make a folder folder for Mexi, and then I'll just like download everything up until now, and then um, like just save that and then date it. And then, uh, then you'll remember, like, um, you know, what what transaction, you know, what date you closed, and then you can bring the next CSV file from, you know, from now onward. That's another way to do it. Yeah, the other ones they they work seamlessly, like Coinbase, particularly has a nice interface, right? I mean, it's yeah, actually Coinbase, lot, Coinbase works perfectly. Brokerages, you know, if you go to some stock exchange brokerages, what they actually provide is also some kind of a message. It's really nicely made, you know, even if you look at these PDF files that they are pretty, pretty decent. You know? Good job. Anyways. Yep. Yep. Mm, okay. Well, just for those interested in paying taxes, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how many people really are interested in paying taxes, uh, but I pay my taxes in life. <laughs> see yeah i don't see any other particular news today um in a new case study on its collaboration with arbitrum and Chainlink. 
GMX highlights Chainlink data stream's fundamental role in building security performant decentralized exchanges that rival the user experience of centralized platforms. That's one of the, yeah, GMX um, is using it. The interesting thing is all the transactions um, have to be paid for in CCIP systems have to be paid for with Chainlink as well. So now it's like an actual gas token. Like Link actually has utility. So it has two things. One is you can stake it if there's a new platform that wants to use the Chainlink Oracle system. So you create a whole new, like let's say you're JP Morgan, you want to have like a Chainlink Oracle network. You create a whole new network um, and you um, you incentivize node operators to run those by basically paying them. Um, and you can incentivize stakers on those nodes uh, and those stakers basically can get um, link tokens. Some of that has been subsidized by the companies that start those Oracle systems. And some of that has been subsidized by Chainlink itself with their with their bag. So they've been sort of diluting the circulating supply somewhat with their with their tokens using this system. So, um, but like ultimately by creating like demand and creating new networks and whatever, um, ultimately like CCIP is supposed to be revenue positive in that Chainlink can actually make money as a company, which is important because if it can make money, that means it's really sustainable, right? So. Very few chains or anything right now make any actual money. Um, the chain link might be one of the first to actually do such a thing, <laughs> as opposed to just token price go up, right? So interesting stuff there. But I think like it looks like breakout is probably imminent. The um, both Solana and Chainlink are sort of moving up about three percent today. So I think they ran together too. So it's like. It's their time. So the coins that ran the earliest, people got really bored. They're like, oh, this thing's not going up. This thing's not going up. And so they, you know, people get bored and they wait for months. And then what happens is the first mover is usually ends up becoming the thing that moves again because it has the longest consolidation period compared to the stuff that moved later. So it's like the chart looks cleaner at that point. So I think Rune might be another one that, if I recall, ran around the same time. Let me see here. How Rune's looking. But Rune might be a good one at this price level as well. Yeah, it's like pulled back from 733 to about 459. It actually fell below the 50-day moving average. Uh, 200-day moving average for Rune is right at around $3. So yeah, I'd say like Rune looks really good anywhere between this price right now and $3. So it's a it's a reasonable bag to have at this price, I think. Uh, it's amazing how Bruce made made that much with that stupid grip bot, right? On Kukran. Oh, the futures bot. Yeah, you remember he ran that futures bot on Kukran on Room. Yeah, he ran it on Fetch too. He ran it between. I don't think he shut it down, so he's just continuing to make money nonstop. Um, with every, whenever Fetch has volatility, it just sort of starts printing money. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't really work if it's just copy, right? You have to. Uh, it's like the funding rate has to be in your favor. He, I think he actually mentioned that he got paid quite a bit in the funding rate. Yeah, in his case, it doesn't matter because um, it was always in his favor. The way he has it set up, it always pays for the fees. On it takes care of fees. So, like the way he has it set up specifically on KuCoin, 
um, he kind of like hacked the system and not hacked it, but you know, he kind of like figured out what, how to like game the system a little bit. And by using the futures grid bot, you're able to like have the system sort of pay for not only the fact that you're on a leverage position on the grid, but on top of that, the, the profits from that are sufficient to pay the fees off as well. So it's basically just a straight money printer. So long as like the price of the coin like runs in the range that you have, you've, you know, entered, right? So he entered like when I got it when like 39, 40 cents. So he ran it all the way up to like 79 and then down again and back. So as it goes up and down, he makes something off the grid profits. I'm not sure if he closed it or not yet. I don't think he would have closed it. He doesn't have to really, because if he, like he could close it, but like he could also just let it run till the rest of the bull market and just let it ride too. And if Fed breaks up, it's over its all time high where, you know, he set the top price, I think for a dollar twenty for the grid bot. And if it runs past all time high, great, it'll close the grid bot, but he'll have made money the whole way. And if it drops some, you know, it doesn't matter because the price he bought it was 40 cents. So it's like, it's hard to lose money. Um, Cause you could always close it and the things in profit, no matter what, right? Like there's no, there's no loss there as long as he closes at 40 cents or above. So it works pretty well. Yeah. So that's why like, so, some of, uh, some of your, your, like money should be in something that guarantees income as opposed to something that's like pure gamble. My, I'm going to go run and go shop for a bit, I think. Get some groceries for the house. <laughs> My wife's sending me to go get some shit. So I think I'll catch you guys later. Zen was trying to come on, but motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in jersey what could be worse misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs i'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt we rape and plunder the earth sit and wonder about the worth and plate ring around the rosy while the thunder is served motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days, got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear, flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting knotters And then to end a long day, eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible losses, all moss And I'm liking the odds, fondue in the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each 
Gresham on the back 10 stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers, motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse, misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Spaces.